declining in spirituality is not to be grateful for the things of God. Do you thank God for life? He's being dead, right? For breath, for all things. I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It seems like these days, people in a professional setting want to make it clear that we're not just fooling around with what we're doing. We have a mission statement. We have a calling. There is something that catches our attention. There is something that keeps us on track. Is there such for the child of God? For the church of Jesus Christ? There certainly is. Look at verse 23, please. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. What do we do here? Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. I'm afraid sometimes when we're reading through the Bible, these are words we just kind of gloss over. Like, that's nice. But we have a call. And there are all kinds of things going on. We do all kinds of things, don't we? But I want to emphasize what we do. Why we do it. We want to honor God. When I spent a little bit of time in Uncle Sam's Navy, I learned that everything that goes on in the Navy is supposed to be calculated so that the men and women on ships, in subs, on bases, are ready to step up to the plate and deal with the challenge ahead. Everything has to be justified. When a Navy letter is crafted, it must emphasize the fact we're asking for this, we're acknowledging this, so that it will fit into our mission statement. How does this match up to the needs of the Navy? Because those ships aren't out there just to look good. Just to take up space. Our Polaris, if you will, our North Star, the way you can navigate, you look to the world. And what is my purpose? What is our purpose? What agenda do we have? 
Many have heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, perhaps the most famous preacher of the last few centuries. And somebody said, yeah, I heard you're a preacher. That guy, old Spurgeon. Old Chuck, he gets up there. He just has the same thing to say all the time. Just beating the drum, beating the drum. That's all he ever says. And somebody repeated that to Spurgeon. They said, oh, Brother, uh, some of the folks out there, they talk about you and it might not be so good. They thought he was going to take offense at that. And he said, I'm glad people are listening because when I preach, no matter what my text, Old or New Testament, I take it and I ask that the Lord would help me to make a beeline for the cross. To show Christ. Because that's what it's about. Four words we have here. And I want to emphasize those to you. And I want to again thank Brother Jeff for helping me. You didn't know, did you? I think he stuck in to see what I was going to preach. It says, we preach Christ crucified. Let's think about that word we for a minute. That indicates a tremendous responsibility. And I want you to know that it's a we thing. It's not a me thing. Some people say, well, I go to the church and the preacher do it. So the preacher that. The preacher is only the spokesman. The preacher is only the one who is burdened to tell you what God has said in his word. It's not important because Steve Reed said it. It's important because God said it. I am just the spokesman in this place at this time. You go to another church, well, I don't have to listen to this guy, but I'm going to preach for you. It's God's word. Show the respect to God's word. I'm afraid sometimes people say, well, it's that guy's job to basically run the show. You can go to a play, you can go to a ball game, you can go to a concert, and you can sit back and relax and be entertained. But that's not what church is. That's what the not what the mission of the Lord's people is. And that's not your responsibility individually. I don't have Ezekiel in my notes. But certainly that encouragement. I think sometimes people say, I got a sinner neighbor. I need to bring him to church and let the preacher preach to him. Preacher, you need to go visit so and so. Preacher, you need to pray for so and so. I have no problem with that. But I want you to know something, folks. That's not my job as a preacher, that's my job as a Christian. You know what? That might mean there's something for me to do. I thought I was just going to put it off on the preacher. Hey, this preacher doesn't mind praying for folks. This preacher doesn't mind visiting folks. That's, that's my opportunity. That's my joy. 
and rejoicing. But it's not limited to me. I'd be a pretty lousy preacher if I said, no, I don't do that stuff. Nope. Because I'm a Christian. But guess what? If you're a Christian, it's a we thing, folks. It ain't a me thing. We speak of the institution of the church, but the institution is not the building, and it's not just the preacher, it's not just the deacons, it's all of us who are committed together. If you think that church is the thing you go to, just take up space, endure, and then get through, now I can go do the stuff that's important. You mind if I tell something on you? <laughs> He's going anywhere. Marcia took roast beef. And she always does a good job with roast beef. But you know what? If the highlight of your day is to eat some roast beef, I feel sorry for you. We come and we sing. And you know what? I like to sing. We come and we either pray out loud or we're quietly listening, and we should be listening, so we can say amen. The content of the prayers that are lifted up, because whoever is praying out loud, when Brother Dan or I or someone else calls on someone to pray, that person is speaking not just their own mind, their own heart, their own concerns, but they should be saying, Lord, we come before you. Now, when you pray in your closet, the cab of your truck or wherever you are, that may just be you and the Lord. When we come together, we need to listen, we need to be encouraged, and that's one of the reasons why we say, Amen! So be it. Because there's no other institution that could, would, or should do so. I was talking about a friend, Brother McDowell, not too long ago. He told me about so-and-so who, he says, he doesn't darken the door of the church. But he goes over to some other things. And he does this. And he does that. I think sometimes people forget that the Lord has established an institution for spiritual growth and development. An institution whereby the gospel is to be proclaimed. We preach Christ crucified. The we reminds us it's God who is to be honored. There is a verse that says, Unto him be glory in the church. That doesn't just mean the preacher's supposed to praise the Lord. I'm afraid sometimes people think, Praise the Lord, yeah, we'll just we'll just have a little let's just praise the Lord. And that, that's about the size of no. Everything we do is to be geared for the glory of God. 
Paul told the Corinthians, whether you eat or drink, could you eat to the glory of God? Absolutely. I do. I do too. We can eat, we can drink, we can do anything for the glory of God. Some people don't quite appreciate that. I had an Uncle Don who used to give us aluminum cans so we could... Yeah, you know where I'm going on this one. Uncle Don used to have all kinds of cans. I mean, if you put it in a can, he had it and usually consumed it. And he'd say, Stevie, I'm going to give you these cans. And I said, thank you so much, Uncle Don. And uh, after a while, he came to me and he said, so uh, tell me something. What do you do with those cans anyway? And I said, we take them in and, and get money so we can support the ministry. I said, oh, Don, do you realize that all that stuff that you drink, you're doing that, and you give us those cans, and that's for the glory of God? What? Yeah. What you do serves the glory of God. You know, he stopped giving me cans after that. Maybe he was convicted. I don't know. But whether others do or not, whether they have that mindset, it's a we thing. Whatsoever we do is to be to the glory of God. The whole universe is to honor him. And we find that time after time especially as we go through the Psalms. But specifically, the Lord has this institution known as the church. This is a place where we place our name, a place where we invest our time, our money, our energy, our talents, and what we do, whether we teach a class, whether we sing a song, whether we play an instrument, whatever we do, give of your time, give of your interest, focus on this. That's what it's about. How will God show His hand? How will God do His work? And what is it about His work? that you could do. So, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. We had a fellow in the Memphis church. He was a carpenter like you wouldn't believe. Now, I put things together with wood. And you could tell I'm an amateur. And old David, one day he came in and did some stuff. And uh, I said, Brother David, God has blessed you with the ability to put things together with a hammer and nails. Brother David spoke the pipe and he took his pipe out of his mouth and he says, well, I can't preach. Don't tell the Lord what you can't do. Rejoice in what you can do because it all goes in and it all should come out. If not here, you know, there's this place called heaven. And when you die, there's a lot of stuff we do in this world 
I will never wear a necktie in heaven. Did you know that? All those ties Marshall's got in the closet. She picks one and I wear it. That's fine. But when you see me in heaven, I won't be wearing one of these. And nobody else will either. That's okay. That's okay. But what will we be doing in heaven? We'll be praising God. Amen. We'll be honoring God. Amen. We'll be obeying God. The Lord did say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the Lord's will. 100% of the time. In an eternal day. We. We preach. Now don't get me wrong, folks. You know I love to sing. Sometimes I might not sing every word. Sometimes I don't know the words. But I appreciate that. And sometimes I, I'll be selective. We have some preacher brethren who used to sing specials regularly. But they don't. It's not because they got grumpy grump. They say, well, if I'm going to preach, I have to know my limitations. I believe I've told you, I, I was under doctor's orders for six weeks. I said, what do you want me to do, doc? He told you to shut up. You don't understand, doc. I, I sing in church, not for the next six weeks. Well, I teach school, not for the next six weeks. I preach, not for the next six weeks, or else get you another doctor. That was hard. Well, I didn't say, well, since I'm not preaching, I'll, I'll just stay home. No. If I'm too sick to make church, I'll stay home, but I'll, many times I said, Marcia, take the kiddos to church. You need to be in church. I need to be in church. But if I'm not able to be, you still need to be. And the kiddos need to be. Folks, I want you to know it is a privilege. It is an honor. It is a responsibility to preach. And Paul says, we preach. Singing is great. Praying. Fellowshipping. I love that stuff. But whether I'm doing the preaching or somebody else, I know a preacher that if he's asked to speak, he'll go to a place. And that's good church. Let it be preached. But uh, he rarely goes any other time because he says, well, if I'm not preaching, the preaching of the Word the Lord said, by the foolishness of preaching, mm -hmm. the Lord is pleased to save them that believe. Now, I didn't come up with that. And that wasn't my experience coming up. As a young person, a lot of times, church was watching a puppet show. Or watching what was called an illustrated sermon. They put on a play. Some people, well, it's the same thing. One group brought in the power team. Watch guys rip phone books in half. 
Wow! And they're throwing a Bible verse or two to kind of sanctify it, so to speak. But Paul says, we preach. Somebody said, oh, preacher, I guess you could just throw something together and, and get up there and talk. Well, that would not be right, number one, before the Lord, and number two, for your sakes, and number three, for my own, I, I would feel cheating. I would feel that you were cheated. You see, when I prepare a message, and I pray over a message, it's not something I just slap together. There's some time put into it. If you've ever stood before some people and talked for more than 30 seconds and you've got scriptures to read and points to make and illustrations to bring in and you want just the right words. <coughs> I think from Proverbs we quoted this morning the word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Now I don't quote him too often, but old Samuel Clemens used to say, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between the lightning and the lightning bug. So you pray for me. Pray that I will say the right thing in the right way. With the right motive, we preach. That's the method that has heaven's approval. That also has the storm of earth. The heathen here about us. Oh, why do I want to go to church and have somebody preach at me? Preach has a negative connotation in some people's minds. Because they think, they just point their finger at me and say, you got a problem. I tell you what, one finger points and three points back. We are sinners. Amen. We have a great need. We have a great God. And preaching is not just what goes on behind this sacred desk, as people say. We preach. You preach by your actions. Every once in a while, we'll see on the back of the bulletin, I think it's Edward A. Guest who wrote the poem, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Because you preach a sermon by being here. You preach by singing out. You preach by showing reverence to the things of God. Your body language says a lot. I know some folks when they when they're in church. Well, here I am. There are others that are sitting on the edge of the seat. They got the Bible open. They want to hear something. They want a blessing. Did you come to be blessed today? Or did you come to be bored? I hope you didn't come to be bored. Now, if you don't care about the things of God, maybe it is boring. Same old, same old. 
There are those who don't have ears to hear. And we should be praying for them. But I hope and pray that you have ears to hear so that things will be preached. Did you know that as a church, we preach on a regular basis? Now right now you're preaching well or not so well by your attention to the things of God. You preach when you go out that door. You say a lot on Monday that you might not think about on Sunday. You would have to look very far to be reminded that there is an opportunity we have. We have to preach. In fact, it's carved on the table down here. Jesus said, this do. He wasn't talking to just a preacher. He wasn't talking to just the officers of the church. He's speaking to his people. Specifically to that body of people. Baptized believers committed in that place for that purpose. Paul went on to say, as often as ye... Don't talk just to the preacher. I don't know what the name of the preacher was there at the Corinthian church, but Paul said, as often as ye do this. Ye do show forth the Lord's death till He come. Is the death of Christ important? Or are you just la-di-da about it? Oh, I hope to the Lord that it is a serious matter to you. Nothing to joke about. Nothing to be la-di-da about. All kinds of unscriptural methods going on and people pass it off as preaching. You want to watch a movie, you can get a DVD. And you can watch that. You can read another book. You can attend a play or a concert. You know, sometimes people go to a ball game and they'll say, Wow, we beat them! Really? I didn't see you down there on the gridiron or whatever. I think sometimes people think that's the way church is. Wow, we really did this. We really did that. You can enter into the service with your mind, with your heart, with your spirit. One of those ways you can do that is open your Bible and you follow along. The importance is that we preach the Word. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he didn't say, Now, Tim, make sure you talk straight. Make sure you hold your Bible just right. Make sure your shoes are shined. We had a, we had a fine fellow who's with the Lord now. His name was Jesse Thomas, and he taught ministerial practicalities. And he said to the preachers, Now, when you get in the pulpit, make sure you your fingernails are clean. Make sure your tie is straight. Make sure your gig line is right. Make sure your shoes are shut. Make sure that you look sharp as you proclaim the word. Well, I wouldn't want to take away from that. But what's even more important is make sure that you speak the truth as it is in Jesus. That's what preaching's involved in. Paul says, I charge you therefore, Timothy. 
preach the word. Sister Heath and I were talking not too, too long ago and we're reminded of a fellow who has retired from the ministry. And the way she said, well, brother, see, I don't think people retire from the ministry, do they? What do they do when they die? Unless I'm providentially hindered, I mean, my whole body can't do what it used to be able to do. Just have to accept that. I'm thankful that the Lord has given me a mind and a heart and a spirit and a voice to proclaim the truth. It's of God and I want to use it in that understanding. But no matter who is preaching the Word, it's the Word that needs to be proclaimed. You can spend an awful lot of time doing a bunch of fluff and other stuff, but it's important that we preach the Word. It's really a shame to say that there were people who spent their time debating such things as how many angels could dance on the, the head of a pin? Or did, did Adam have a belly button or not? I believe you can get into heaven without knowing the correct answer to either of those two or a myriad of other questions. But what is it that we preach? We preach Christ! It's not about me! It's not about you! When we say Christ, that sums up the person of the only begotten Son of God. I didn't say Jesus, because when people hear Jesus, they think, oh, that, that's some guy. Folks in Latin American countries, they, they name their son Jesus. That's not our way in our culture. Perhaps it's out of respect for the Lord. I have a hard time looking at my boy and say, hey, Jesus, do this, do that. But it's Christ, the anointed one, the one who was sent to be the great Messiah. No other subject could, would, or should be preached. That's why I find myself in sympathy with Mr. Spurgeon, who said, I don't want to make a beeline for the cross. You might not agree with me on eschatology. That's, that's small potatoes. You might not agree on how many archangels there are. There might be a whole host of things you and I might see differently. And I wouldn't want to punch you in the nose over it. I hope you wouldn't want to punch me in the nose over it. But if you have a misunderstanding about Jesus Christ, that's a problem. I know I've told you. We had a fellow come in, I think it was on a Wednesday night. And right before the service, he says, Hey, I, I found out something. You know, the Holy Spirit told me something about Jesus. What's that? He told me he was a vampire. Because we have nothing to talk about. I can't give any ground for that. We preach Christ. That's who is most important. The insights and experiences of men are constantly being presented. Oh, let's hear so-and-so. They, they had such and such an experience. If you really want to have a big crowd, so-and-so will be speaking tonight 
They died and went to heaven and they came back. If you come tonight, you can find out what heaven's like. Ooh, I want to hear that. Not just some preacher taking a verse out of the Bible. I want to hear about somebody else's experience. Sensationalism. But our preoccupation should be Christ. It's not about me. I, I share some illustrations time from time from my life, but you don't have to know anything about the life of Steve Rains to make heaven, but you need to know about Christ. Mm -hmm. Like John the Baptist said of Jesus, He must increase, I must decrease. It's about Him. It's about Him. My Bible tells me that God won't share His glory with another we ought to take that so seriously. We preach Christ. We preach Him in all of His splendor. Because He does for men what they never would and never could do for themselves. Joseph was told by the angel, you call Him Jesus. He shall save His people from their sins. No church can save you from your sin. No act. No thought. No Bible verse in and of itself. It can't save you. This church cannot save you. Sometimes we go, oh, that preacher, he's the one that's not preaching didn't save you. It wasn't an angel. It wasn't an apostle. It wasn't one I acted to lose. It was Christ and Christ alone. We will never be the Lord God omnipotent. We will never be the Word co-equal with the Father. For God the Son came to this earth and tabernacled. He walked and talked among humans. And that one is the one identified. That thing formed in your womb shall be called the Son of God. He looked like everybody else. He didn't have a different color skin. He didn't float around with wings sticking out of his back. He didn't have a halo over his head. You couldn't tell by looking at him. But if you listen, you'd probably be like those folks who said, never a man spake. Like that man spake. John chapter 20 records how that Thomas He'd heard that Jesus rose from the dead. He said, eh, I don't think so. No, really. We saw it. We, he said, unless I can see with my eyes and touch with my hands, I don't believe it. I think you guys hallucinated or made the whole thing up or something. And then Jesus appeared days later. And he didn't waste any time. He said, Thomas, come here. Get a good look at it. Put your fingers where I was pierced. I want you to witness the print in my hands caused by the nails. But Thomas didn't say, that's nice. That's interesting. No! He said, my Lord and my God. Have you ever been in a Thomas moment when you were awe-stricken 
by the great God and Savior that we have, who is Jesus Christ. John exulted, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Colossians 3, Paul says, Christ is all and in all. We, it's not a me thing, preach. We have something to say. Christ, and what about Christ? Oh, he's, he's cool too. Our culture tells us there was a song in my youth, and some of you shared that. And I got a friend in Jesus. One group even said, Jesus is just all right. Is that all he is? Just some cool dude? Sometimes he had something nice to say, fed a lot of folks. I'm satisfied there are people in hell right now who in their lifetime said, yeah, Jesus, he made sure people got meals. He spoke some words of encouragement. He set a pretty good example. Yeah, pretty good guy. Was he the Son of God? Oh, I don't know. Did he die for sinners? Oh, I don't know. Some people say he did. I, I, I don't go that route. You see, we preach Christ crucified. Some people want to focus Jesus in a manger. They want to focus Jesus on a mountaintop. They want to talk about Jesus doing this and doing that. Now, we don't deny any of that. But He came to die. He lived so that He would be crucified. I did not come, He said, to be ministered to, but to minister. What did He do for you and for me? That should get our attention. I don't know that he did anything for himself. He did things that the Father be glorified. And the Father was pleased to glorify him in turn. You see, nobody else's death pays the price. Secures our soul. Accomplishes our peace. Oh, there's all kinds of entertainment going on. All kinds of good intentions being expressed. In Galatians 4, I love how Paul gets to the bottom of things. Verses 4 and 5 of Galatians 4. Because at just the right time, to just the right place, God the Son, not Michael and Archangel, not Abraham or somebody else come back from the dead. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. What will you do with the Son of God? If you say to yourself, you're just Steve, you're just a human like me. You're right. I don't have a whole lot of pull, prestige or anything like that. I'm just a child of Adam like you. But I'm talking about Christ here. God sent forth His Son. Made of a woman. Born just like you and I were. Made under the law. That was an accountability. 
But why? We can't say this about you or me in an absolute sense. To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. His life, his messages, his miracles, they were all wonderful. But unable to remit our sins. He had to undergo the hell that you or I deserved that we might have his heaven. The vicious death that he endured secured our peace. One way we can express the gospel as Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, that's the, the son, became sin. And the father saw him. Christ was made sin for us. Here we are, sinners, deserving of nothing but condemnation, destruction, hell, and then the lake of fire. That was our due. We deserved it. But the Father took the righteousness of Christ and He credited to our account. What about all those sins laid upon Him? He became sin for us. When did that happen? Not when He was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. When He was crucified. That's why we focus on the crucifixion. That's our center point. That's our declaration. We preach Christ crucified. You talk to somebody about Jesus, they say, yeah, he, he was real smart, wasn't he? Yeah, but what's more important is he was crucified. He, he went a lot of places and talked to a lot of folks and, and did a lot of stuff. Yes, he did. But what's most important? The thing that impacts us. The thing that energizes us. The thing that gives us meaning and purpose. We preach Christ crucified. That's serious stuff, folks. It also tells us in that same fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, we for whom Christ has died, we've been called to be ambassadors. Ambassadors don't set policy. They don't say, I got a king back in the other country and, and he's messed up. Let me tell you the way things really are. Now, that wouldn't be serving as an ambassador in the right way. You don't want to misrepresent Jesus. That means even today. You call yourself a Christian? Think that way. Feel that way. Talk that way. Walk that way. Because some people are wondering if Jesus is really in somebody, what's different between them and me? And if they notice that you have a direction, you have a drive, you have a discipline, you have a different walk, and consequently a different talk. For you see, as ambassadors, it's not our will, it's not our purpose, it's not our objectives, it's not our aspirations. 
We represent Christ. You do and I do as Christians first and foremost. We preach Christ crucified. I would close with 1 Corinthians 9.16. Paul says, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I think sometimes, yeah, if you're a preacher, you, yeah, I guess you ought to preach. Well, yeah, you should. But I don't think that's limited to just the preacher. No, we preach Christ crucified. What are you saying with your life? The way you spend your time? The way you focus your attention? The things that really matter to you? Woe is me if I preach not Christ. Now that wraps it up for one message. But it certainly doesn't wrap. I hope you don't say, that's nice. That's something to think about. No, it's something to live out. Something every day. Well, how many days a week should I be thinking about that? Only the ones at the end of the while. We preach Christ crucified. I hope that will register with you. I, I pray that the Spirit would get a hold of your mind. Get a hold of your heart. And if you will, it won't be about, oh, God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. Too many times people have the mentality, what's the least I can do and still make heaven? As long as I make heaven, that's all that matters. Really? Really? Never did I turn to my parents and say, what's the least I can do to obey Ed Dolores Reigns and still count as their kid? No. Do you rejoice in Christ Jesus? You put no confidence in the flesh. It's laid out for all of us. You, me, all those who claim the name of Christ. Are you serious about the Lord? Wonder what we can do if we're serious about the Lord. You read the Word. You come here. You pray. And I believe the Lord will Lay some things on your heart. Your life might be different. Your priorities have been adjusted if you are that new creature in Christ. For now, let's sing and pray, please.